Hi and welcome to Square in the Circle, a podcast about how business owners in the creative industry balance the art and the business. Ivan Weiss, headshot photographer extraordinaire. He's got a cracking beard. He's got some cracking hair, which he's combed specially for the podcast. Um, welcome to Squaring the Circle. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Feeling um, feeling quite groomed, Ben. Yeah, you're looking groomed. You're certainly <laughs> looking groomed. I might I might have to release this just as a video, just so people can see your face. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean that that's sort of my my stock in trick. Not my face, but faces in general. Yes. <laughs> well, well, we'll absolutely come to that. Um, but the first the first question I want to kick off with is. Um, what was the moment that you realised you wanted to be a photographer? Ooh, um, I mean, if, if you're looking for a sort of short and pithy response to that, I'm, I'm going to disappoint you because I think that th- probably there's a long answer that comes in like three or four stages, really, um, if we've got time, Ben, because I grew up, uh, my dad was a photographer, so like from birth, photography was in my life. So there wasn't a sort of a moment where I suddenly discovered photography. It was just there. Um, and I probably had, a, a you know, at some point in those earlier years, the, you know, I want to be like my dad kind of thing. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, I still, I, I definitely picked up some some things from him other than the photography, hopefully just the good bits, but you never know. Um, but thinking about it as a profession, I think... The first time that crossed my mind was when I was going to do my A-levels, so at 16, and there was the option to do photography A-level, and I thought, oh, yeah, I'll do that because I already know how to do it, so it'll be easy. I won't have to study. Um, and that idea was was knocked on the head by the um, the uh, advice, pe- advice people at the, at the college where I was going. They said I should do something academic, so it was put out of my mind. But I always had a camera and I always did photography. It was then, I think, much, much later, sort of around 2010, that I started to realize that I was taking pictures for, for a, you know, some sort of artistic or creative purpose. And that's when I made a conscious decision that I wanted to dig in and learn more about how to make pictures that were pleasing to me that expressed something that I wanted to express said something that I wanted to say and then the sort of the final stage of it I do remember a specific moment when I decided that I was gonna quit my day job and do it full-time as a profession uh that's maybe the more interesting answer <laughs> and when I got I got called up for jury service and I was sitting in a it was at um a coroner's court so it was very grim and we had to watch this security video of the last three minutes of this poor guy's life over and over again and something clicked I was like I, I'm not going to go back to my job after this I, I need to do something that means something I need to do something that's got some kind of purpose and literally that was it as soon as I went back to my job after that court case I went into the office and handed in my notice and went full-time with the photography that's amazing so that security video um brought into sharp sort of sharp focus your own mortality is that is that right um i'm yeah that that was definitely part of it and just part of that thing of 
on a daily basis, I was going into a job where I felt, you know, I, I'm doing things. I'm, I'm, I've got skills that are useful to the company, but I wasn't doing anything that was satisfying for me. So yeah, that, that idea of, am I going to do that for the rest of my life or am I going to do something that actually means something to me? And, and at that point, the photography was, you know, it was a major hobby. It was taking up a large part of my life outside of photography, outside of, of, of the day job, sorry. And so, you know, I knew that that was the thing that I actually wanted to do. I just hadn't made the leap. And and what year was that? That would have been 2017, about five years ago. About five years ago. So five years later, you mentioned purpose there. So obviously that's pretty high up on your um your value uh your value list agenda. Um yeah. has it given you purpose five years later? A absolutely. I mean the 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 clarity, you know, every, every time that there's a decision to be made about anything, yeah, I used to procrastinate over those kind of things, including, you know, should should I quit my job and go full time? I took many, many years to to make that decision. Once you boil it down to why am I doing it and, and what's the purpose, those decisions become, I, I don't want to say easy because you know you still have to live with the consequences and that that may be difficult it may be challenging but it's it's clearer which is the correct decision when you have uh, a purpose and creating work that i find engaging creating work that i find interesting is the the purpose so it always comes back to that should i do this or that well which one's going to lead to me doing work that i enjoy okay that's the answer so that's really interesting so that is that is how you essentially make decisions in terms of your creative life and your business life is it work that i'm going to enjoy and you work yeah. backwards from that absolutely yeah now that sounds like pushing back on that that sounds like that's perfect i love that but and you and obviously we you know i don't know the ins and outs of your business and things but of course a, a business it's incredible it's very i think it's very simple for people to say i just want to do work that i enjoy and then mm -hmm. the, the money will follow but of course living in the real world um it can be difficult because you've got to take that into consideration so yeah. how do you balance those two things um, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. It's, you know, it's not this sort of perfect, every waking moment is a joy, uh, sort of you know, fairy, fairy tale. I mean, you know, it, it, it depends a little bit on perspective. It's, it's not far off that, I'll be honest. Okay. Um, but I think what it comes down to is, is an avoidance of cynicism. So there, there are definitely things that I could do just for the money. And I don't want to do anything just for the money. I reject the idea that I think a lot of creative people have in their mind that they have to do work that they don't want to fund the work that they do want. I, I reject that idea. Um, I, I think, you know, if you're going to do work that you don't want just for the money, there's there are a lot better paid options than being a photographer or an artist or, you know, a dancer or or whatever you're your field is um and yeah the, the, you know there are there are easier and and more kind of risk risk free or risk reduced options for 
just making money to fund your creativity. Um, but they're all distractions. They all take you away from doing the work that you want to do. I want to uh, repeat a quote, actually, uh, from you <laughs> and then explore that. So a ticking clock is the enemy of creativity, which mm. I was I was I was bowled away by that. Um, now, for context, that's this is about your um, headshot session, your unlimited headshots. And that was sort of the, one of the headline quotes, I thought. So um, obviously, it's a quite a short video, two minutes, because it's a website video. But so you didn't have time to explore that. So I thought we could explore that now, if we may. Sure. Yeah. Over yeah. to you. Okay. Um, yeah. So, I mean, for that, that video is aimed at my clients and potential clients. So people that are coming in to have their picture taken. And if we set a time limit on that, then the thing that we're working to is the clock. And I mean, that's not important. That's not the thing that's going to determine how good the picture is. Um, so I remove that element from the the session you're not paying me for my time it doesn't cost more if it takes longer it doesn't cost more if i get it done quicker you you, you know you're, you're getting the picture that's the that's the thing um and you, you, i think most creators will have experienced this when you feel you've satisfied the brief it's often good practice to throw in a sort of wild card at the end and say like okay we've got the, we've got it in the bag let's just try it backwards or let's just try it facing this way or let's just try it with you wearing that top instead of that top or whatever and very often those are the moments when you make a, a breakthrough you discover something unexpected the pressure's off and you're actually just being creative rather than trying to fit to a brief within a time frame so you know the thought came to me well why why are we putting the time frame there in the first place let's just run the whole sessions if it's the last shot of the day you can do what you want you can do as many last shots of the day as you want and it works so when you take away the 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 ticking clock this may be an impossible question to answer but so you know you you mentioned that that, that lovely free roll moment essentially that you got it in the can um and let's let's just see what we come up with mm -hmm. out of out of the when when you you know you're with with the sitters um and you're with your clients what percentage if you had to sort of put it in the sort of brackets of the the keepers or you know the the money shots is it at the start is it at the end or is it when you're kind of just winding down because by taking away the ticking clock you sort of take away the um, the beginning, middle, and end of the session anyway, don't you? Um, well, you, you take away the arbitrary beginning, middle, and end. You know, I, I can't stop. I haven't found a way to interrupt, you know, space-time. Oh, you're yet. not? Oh, no. yeah. Um, you, need to, you need to get on that. So, you know, th thing, things are still – our experience of, of things is still linear – um let, I, I don't think this is the right podcast for for that kind of discussion but you, you see what i'm saying there, there is a the beginning is when the, the person walks in the middle is when we're kind of doing the stuff and the end is when we decide to finish so there is going to be a beginning middle and end um that that bit's unavoidable 
Um, honestly, it varies so much from person to person. Um, some people walk in, it, you know, it's it's not uncommon for, I'd say the first, within the first five frames, um, there's something that, that ends up being one of the selected images. Um, but then again, it doesn't matter, you know, like I, I honestly don't care. It, there's a, there's a sort of a, a small sense of pride, I suppose, when the first frame you shoot is one of the ones that gets selected, but it doesn't really matter. That's not the thing that, that stands out to me when I'm looking at the pictures in a year's time. Um, it's interesting though, to consider that because it does throw up or highlight rather the, the question of a value, you know, when, when I've been paid the same amount of money to take three pictures, like literally three frames, and the one that we want has been selected and it's done, paid the same amount for that as I have been to spend an hour, an hour and a half, shoot a hundred frames to choose one. You know, it, am I providing a different amount of value in those two scenarios? And to my mind, no. Like the 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 person wanted a picture, they needed that picture. We got that picture, whether we did it in three frames or a hundred frames, is irrelevant. Um, it's a fun sort of nerdy stat to to keep track of, but it really doesn't matter to anyone else. Yeah, the the uh, the concept of time with creativity is one that keeps on coming back actually, because you can, like you say, you could you can nail that shot and pretty much know in thirty seconds, and it would cost exactly the same as if you if you're working, uh, but it would only but it would only take you thirty seconds because you've done the years work. Um, of course, in terms of yeah. equipment, knowledge, you know, putting their person at ease, which comes with experience. So people are paying for that experience rather than time, which I suppose feeds into what what the session really represents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, a, a, an example that that I had from quite recently, I got hired, I quoted for a job. I was expecting it was on location. I was expecting to have to transport all my gear. And, you know, that's a big it's a big deal. Like there's a lot of preparation involved. And it turned out that um, for various reasons, that was not going to be possible. So I ended up, it was literally just me with one camera, one lens. I went on the bus. Um, we sat the subject next to a window. The first frame that I took was the one that was chosen. And there was a there was a bit of me saying, but you, you're paying for all the equipment. You're paying for all the preparation. It's like, that's not the value. The value is the picture. So you're so if you've been running the business five years, mm -hmm. full full time. I mean, but, I I started it in two thousand twelve. Okay, so so ten years sort of running, but full time for five. Um, over the last five years, has the um, I suppose the question is what what portion of the week is dedicated to what I would term business development, um. And what time or how much of the week is proportioned to client work or headshot work? Um, so I, I have zero boundaries. I have no work-life separation. I don't compartmentalize. So it's all wow. like everything all the time. Um, my, my business model, such as it is, is based on doing five shoots a week. Um, I often exceed that, you know, if, if there's demand and I'm, you know, 
feeling energetic, I will do seven shoots a week. That's where I am at the moment. Um, and every day involves a mix of everything. So social media, first thing I do in the morning, social media, because that's that's the kind of stuff that I do without needing to be particularly engaged brain-wise. It, it's funny, in the morning, I'm active and awake and able to do stuff. I'm not social. I don't want to see people before 10 o'clock, but I do my social media. But there you go. Social media is not that social. It um, isn't. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, you know, putting up new posts, following up on messages and comments and, and all of that kind of stuff. I do that straight away in the morning. Um, then usually 10 o'clock is when I'll have my, my first client if they're coming into the studio or I'm packing up my bag and going off to a location shoot around nine o'clock, something like that. Um, in between that stuff going on, I'm answering emails, phone calls, messages from my website. People DM me through LinkedIn or Instagram asking, you know, questions about how to book a shoot and maybe we set up a consultation call or they want a quote for a corporate job. All of those things are happening all the time at the same time as the uh, the core business, the photography. Um, and then evenings tend to be when I do post-production. So that's back to the sort of the more um, introvert work, let's say. So, it, you know, it's me with the music on, on my headphones, sitting at the computer by myself. Um, or I do things like webcasts. Um, I get onto photography forums, chat with other photographers, networking events, all of those kind of things. At the very start, you said... The, the work-life balance essentially doesn't exist. So photography is your life and your life is photography. Mm. Um, I presume that was very different. So you're living a very different life now to when you were in um, your, your previous job. Um, I mean, I, I had a terrible work-life balance in my previous, I'm a, you know, I'm a workaholic, confirmed, diagnosed workaholic okay. in the sense that um, I... I define myself by my work and and I felt that was the case when I was an employee. I just realized now that it was, you know, that, that, that value and effort was going into to, to something that I wasn't fully committed to or fully reaping the benefit of. Um, so yeah, it, even in my previous job, it wouldn't be uncommon for me to be, thinking or having a discussion about something related to work at midnight or 1am so you know it, when you when your job is not sort of you know production line in a factory where you can very definitely draw the line between working and not working if your job involves thought creativity i suppose what we would legally define as intellectual property that's going on all the time, isn't it? Um, and as a visual artist, every time I look at something, I'm, I'm taking that in. That's inspiration. That's stuff that I'm noticing, you know, unless I'm in a pitch black room in a sort of sensory deprivation chamber, I'm, I'm working. So then the next, <laughs> the next question then is you, you just, um, you said the line, you define yourself by your work. Mm. What are the positives? What are the positive aspects of that? And what would you say the negative aspects of that? 
Um, the positive aspects are that I mean, it, you know, that that it's sometimes referred to as drive, isn't it? I, I get a lot done. Um, I I think. I mean, com- compared to the sort of the the average odds of success for a small business, especially in the creative industries, it, you know, it's given me a better chance of beating those odds uh, because I work a lot. Not that that's the only thing to it, but you know, it it, it certainly helps. Um, the the downsides, I think, are they're not being particularly um you know i don't switch off like it, it's an obsession uh you know anyone who is is close to me has to kind of make allowances for that that's the that's the thing that i'm thinking about and doing all the time and is that obsession um has that ever led to any kind of burnout um, well, I, I so this is the interesting thing. I experienced burnout in my previous job, um, and I think the the reason for that was because of the lack of purpose. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm aware that I'm pushing myself quite close to the the limit there. You know, and, and maybe some of that is just sort of getting older and feeling like actually I really could use another hour's sleep. You know, like that. I'm 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 not going to be able to perform if I don't get to bed soon, you know. Um, but the the I think burnout is a psychological phenomenon. Obviously, there's there's physical, but you know the the physical bit that's that's pretty much a machine, you know. You sort of calories in, calories out, um, calories in, activity out, whatever, um, and so when you're approaching physical burnout get some more sleep drink some water eat some food the psychological burnout is when you start realizing that you don't know why you're doing it like what's it for what's the point and that's the the difficult thing to to deal with um and discovering purpose and discovering your motivation i think is the safeguard against burnout because then it becomes obvious you know it's like what well why am i pushing myself so hard today when i know that i want to be on top form tomorrow because the thing that i want to do tomorrow is important to me okay well i'm going to stop now and i'm going to eat some dinner and have a shower and go to bed so that i can do the thing that i want to do tomorrow rather than just endlessly pushing against a limit for for no apparent reason so you are from what you just said then you are managing it slightly then because you're yeah. because because you love what you do so much you know that the only way that this is why i hear anyway the only way you can continue to mm-hmm. do that is to manage it in terms of you know getting enough sleep because if if you continue to push continue to push physically you may be fine but it's only going to take five or ten percent below your a game and then those clients aren't going to be recommending you and then it's a slippery slope isn't it yeah exactly um keeping sight of you know what what's the reason that i'm doing this it's the pictures it's making those pictures that i i want to make that i want to look at and there are certain requirements necessary for for me to be able to do that so i have to make sure that i i'm able to do that otherwise otherwise 
there is no point there is no purpose mm, mm. and where does your inspiration come from visually um uh, good question i don't know uh, i mean i i think i've always just noticed things seen things felt things based on what i'm seeing um uh i i'm i'm aware you know I, I spent a long time living in florence in italy and i wasn't studying art or art history or, or anything like that but um the the aesthetic of the renaissance um particularly the portraiture is something that definitely comes out in my work um and i think that that's where that that influence comes from is just sort of osmosis being around all of that you know the art and the architecture and the the culture in general um for for a long time in in florence um Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I've, I've never, as I say, never studied art or art history or studied photography. I'm essentially self-taught. Um, it's just a question of noticing what I do and what I like about what I do and then doing more of the things that I like, developing that way. Is it also looking at stuff that you don't like, think? Not in a horrible way, thinking, blimey, um, I don't really want to do that work. Um, so it's, it's so much of it is what you want to do, but also knowing what you don't want to do, I presume. Yeah, I, I think that's um, that's something I talk about with photographers fairly often. Um, it's sort of uh, visual hygiene, I think. I mean, that's probably not a, a, a great term for it, but there is a temp temptation to look at work that you don't like to critique it, to make yourself feel better about the work that you're doing. So like, oh, well, I'm better than I wouldn't do that. Look, look at all that. Um, but I think that there's a danger in doing that because everything that you look at goes in, like it's all recorded somewhere in your, in your brain. Um, so spend more time looking at things that you do find pleasing or interesting and less time looking at things that you don't. That's not to say you should ignore it and block it out. It's important to be able to say what you like and what you don't like and why. But I think it's important to avoid spending too much time in that sort of negative, I don't like this space. And, you know, it's far more productive to look at things and, and work out what you do like about them and, and take those bits. Mm. So staying with the creative side, just before we hop back to the business, um, what is what's your favorite part of the, of the process is it the prep is it the shoot is it the post uh post-production um yeah if i had to sort of nail you down for the favorite part of the process i mean the favorite part is is when it's finished it's the the picture <laughs> um it, it's it's all enjoyable that you know everything that there's a there's a there's a rhythm and a process to each part of it that that is enjoyable but ultimately the the picture is the bit that lasts you know um uh a session with uh, a, a particular client can be hugely enjoyable or it can be you know really challenging and frustrating um or, or somewhere in between as you know most of the most of the time it's somewhere in between but 
that that doesn't last for very long. The the memory of that doesn't last very long. The 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 pictures. I don't want to use the term forever, but you know, um, the the picture will, the picture will last for a long time. Um, I I enjoy the variety that the the job gives me. You know, I like the the introvert work of being by myself at the computer. That's the post production. That's the social media marketing, those kind of things. I hugely enjoy the sort of extrovert work of being in the studio with somebody and I'm getting stuff from them. I'm you know, getting them to let their guard down, tell me things about themselves, be playful, be, you know, be experimental, be creative. Um, I don't think I'd want to limit the job to any one part of it. Um, that, each bit's got its own kind of creativity and its own challenges. And and I, I think I've worked out sort of how that fits into my, um, I think it's my chronotype, the, you know, the, the sort of the times of day when I'm best suited to different types of activity and how that works with, um, you know, my um, being, is ambivert a word? I think, I think so. a, a, omnivert maybe uh, where, where where in part parts of the day or there's certain people that give you energy and there's and there's certain times where you just need to be alone and re recharge essentially yeah 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 um so yeah i, I think also you know it being a, a a small business and me the only person in the business and therefore i get to decide when things are done how they're done that allows me to to divide the day up to to suit suit those things and and make all those things align as much as possible. Obviously, you know, there's flexibility in it, but um, that that's the that's the satisfying thing. So back to the the business now, um, mm -hmm. and looking on your website, I was fascinated by the website. Not only is the work really good, and I I, I think your work is absolutely stunning, actually. Yes. Um, so I was, I was interested in that, but what I was also interested in the, uh, is on the business side, because there's so much talk when you're setting up pretty much any business, but especially in the creative industry, do you niche down or are you more of a generalist? And there's, mm -hmm. and there's absolutely arguments for both. You have absolutely niched down, not only headshots, but headshots in London. That is lit. There's so many keywords on your website. Even your website is even ways dot london you know everything is just london headshot london headshot so how did you get there oh, oh um, sorry so how did you get there and can you try and to explain the process of why you got there as well sure uh so i mean it, it, again it comes back to to purpose right if 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 i were a generalist I, and i'm sure there are in the field of photography there are people who genuinely enjoy shooting all kinds of work um then fair enough that that's that's how you should present yourself but really the thing that really you know gets me out of bed in the morning whatever you want to you know floats my boat or whatever uh expression you want to use is taking pictures of people's faces um that's the thing that i enjoy the most so that's the thing that i want to promote the most that's the thing that i want to do the most um i'm in london I there's a there's a bunch of 
sort of practical considerations. I don't drive. I don't want to be on the road. I don't want to be sitting on trains in taxis, whatever, uh, you know, on a, on a regular basis, the idea of travel in my previous job, I traveled a fair bit. Um, you know, you spend a lot of time in airports. It's quite dull. Um, the, the selection of sandwiches at Pret-a-Manger is quite limited. Bloody, bloody lover, Pret. But then again, if I was having them every other day, you know. Yeah, you know, like nothing against Pret, obviously. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that, you know, that, that I, I just want to make it as efficient as possible so I can do as much of the bit that I love as possible, which is taking the pictures. So I live in my studio. I have zero commute. Um, as far as possible, I want people to come to me so that I've got all of the equipment here. I don't need to plan a shoot um, in any particular way. We can make it up as we go along. We've got you know all of the creative options here, backdrops, bits of furniture, lights, light modifiers, all of that kind of kind of stuff. Um, so that all points me in that direction of being in one location in the studio and having people coming to me for the purpose of portraits, headshots. Um, then of course, you know, if you're going to be in London and you want to have as wide a choice of, of, you know, potential clients as possible, you kind of want to be as central as possible. So I'm in King's Cross, which is, um, I mean, it's not as central as Trafalgar Square, but it's probably easier to get to. Um, and, ever so slightly more affordable um so yeah it, like all, all of those things just kind of um determine the, the the way that i set the business up and the website just simply reflects that you know you you go onto the website i used to have on there a sort of a, a wider range of pictures i would say like in my mind it was always oh, I, I should sort of hedge my bets, show some of that work in case that's what they want, show some of that work in case that's what they want. And over time, I just rejected that that idea. And I thought, well, no, I'll, I'll just show the work that I really enjoy so that people can, you know, go to the website, get a sense for for who I am and what I do. And if they like it, they book. If they don't, they go to another photographer. And and that's fine, you know. Um, so I, I I always advise people to go niche. I, I think it's the best way. But if you if through that process of of working out what your niche is, you discover that you are genuinely a generalist, then that's fine. But if you're doing it to try and hedge your bets, then I think you're diluting your you're diluting what you do, and that's not a not a great idea. I mean, I'm, I'm not one for the sports metaphor, but if you think about athletics, there are some people who are genuinely suited to the decathlon. But mostly, you're either a sprinter or a javelin thrower or a shot putter or whatever, and that's what you do. Yeah. You know? And if you're, you know, if you're a runner, you've got a, you've got a distance. That, like I can run 200 meters, can't do 100 or 400. You know, it's it's really quite niche. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and then the specialised people, the specialised people that can do the decathlon, absolutely run run with that. So it's about it's about self awareness, I suppose, and it's about. Um, I think actually a lot of it is confidence. Mm -hmm. I think confidence in your ability is massive because 
Um, and I'm guilty of this. I'll freely say that. And, and I've got better at it. Um, but I think when you're confident in your craft, you're, um, what's the best way to put it? If, if you're confident in, in what you're doing, a couple of setbacks won't take you off track. Whereas mm -hmm. if that confidence is pretty shaky, you know, someone saying you're too expensive or someone saying, oh, I don't quite, you know, I really don't think you got this V1 right. Or, you know, I can't believe you just said that, that really can shake, shake your confidence. So you need that foundation. So I think with a lot of confidence potentially comes that ability to niche and really be focused on that no matter yeah. what is happening. I mean, I, I think it's a, a sort of a positive feedback loop there. The, the, you know, the, the ability to, to get more niche requires confidence, but getting more niche builds your confidence yeah. because, yeah. It, you know, eventually you get to a point where you can say, I mean, it, it may sound uh, almost to the point of arrogance, but essentially what I'm trying to do is to be the best photographer I can be. And that's not really in comparison to any other photographer. That's in comparison to myself. So um, doing what I do the best way possible to the best of my ability that's the measure um and and if that's not your thing then you're unlikely to book me and that's fine if it is then you're gonna enjoy being part of of that process and you know it, it's just nice to be around people that are really enjoying what they're doing and and being part of their process in in any field you know it's it's nice when you eat a meal that's cooked by somebody who really enjoys cooking right absolutely yeah <laughs> well to be honest i'm so greedy i don't really care if they don't enjoy it <laughs> as long as it's put in front of me <laughs> um i think i know the answer to this but um because of your previous um okay answer, but i'm still going to ask it because i think i still think um well i want to know really have you got an exit plan for your business oh i mean not to be grim but i'll, I'll drop dead at some point you know I don't plan on stopping working. Um, but that's what I mean. Yeah, I, I, I will. Undoubtedly, I will slow down. You know, sort of physical limitations being what they are. As I get older, I will have less energy, less stamina. I imagine, um, but I don't plan to retire and you know hang up the camera. That's. I mean, I. First and foremost, it's it's uh, you know it starts as a hobby, right? Photography is one of those things that starts as a hobby. So when people have jobs that they maybe not dislike, but you know they've got a plan to retire, why do they want to retire so they can spend more time on their hobbies? Well, like that that's what we're doing already. So um, no, I mean I, I don't I don't intend to um, create a business to sell on. And, and sort of cash out or anything like that um if things go extremely well i suppose the 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 legacy if you know that's a bit of a grand word but you know um the legacy that i would leave will be an archive of pictures and if there's sufficient interest somebody will manage that archive um but yeah that that'll be after i'm gone so mm. 
Okay. Brilliant. Right. So we've come to uh, the final three questions. The first question of the final three is what does success look like in your business? But I'm going to wind that out because your business is your life and your life is your business. So what does success look like overall, I suppose? Um, well, th this is an interesting question. So I I, I have a, a, a webcast that I do on, um, on the Headshot Crew platform and I occasionally have uh, other photographers on there that I interview, sort of you know, big names in the industry. And I, I often ask them that question because I think it's it's useful to get an insight into how their, their mind works. And I've come to a, a bit of a conclusion on it, which is that there, there are different, there are different things. So as a photographer, success can be thinking about pictures or a picture that's, you know, brought in a lot of money, or it can be a picture or pictures that have brought me, let's say, I don't know, critical acclaim or, or, you know, public attention brought me more poten potential audience or, or, or a wider audience. Um, or it can be pictures that I enjoy, that, that you know, I continue to enjoy looking at. And all of those things are, are of course, intertwined, right? The, the, the the pictures that that have brought me the most money pay the rent for the studio so that i can make more pictures the next day um having a wider audience or reaching a wider audience brings me new clients who pay me and so on and so forth but ultimately the satisfaction is the pictures that i enjoy the most and and want to keep looking at so i think success is doing that without ever being cynical about it um kind of as as i was saying earlier you know acknowledging that that there are always going to be those differences some some things will be better received by my audience than i think they deserve and some things less well received by my audience than i think they deserve um but to cynically create things for a specific audience or to cynically create things for financial gain if they're not also things that i'm proud of um i think that would be a failure so success is success is is avoiding that cynicism and then to broaden that out to life in general i would say yes success is finding a way to to do what you want to do to stay true to your purpose to to live your values i guess the second question uh what book or i'll, I'll say that again <laughs> what what book or resource has had the biggest impact on you and why um i'll go for resource and that would be uh the headshot crew which is uh, a community of headshot and portrait photographers created by peter hurley and through that it, i mean undoubtedly without without the headshot crew i wouldn't have a, a business that gave me connection to a whole bunch of people who were you know They've acted as mentors, inspiration, warnings, 
um, you know, examples of, oh, yeah, I, I definitely don't want to do that. Uh, you know, like the the whole the whole range. Um, it's it's a community which I think is hugely important when you're working as a as a one person business, having essentially then my colleagues. Um, so support, advice, inspiration, explanation, um, places to stay if I'm ever traveling around and and don't want to spring for a hotel, all of that stuff. Um, and I think. Yeah, which whatever field you're in, having uh, access to that kind of community is absolutely invaluable. Brilliant. Okay, and just um, so for people that haven't heard of that or maybe want to get involved, is that is that of like a paid membership or how does that work? Yeah, um, so I think there's different levels of uh, of membership, um, but it works on a, a monthly subscription. And there's all kinds of stuff in there. Um, you know, it's quite a large community and quite varied. But um, headshotcrew.com, go and go and check it out. And if you're interested in the the more sort of creative portraiture side of things, I actually run that uh, part of it now. Uh, so it's you know it's one of those things. I joined the community as a as a student, let's say, um, and and now I'm a, a mentor in there. Um, and I do Wednesday evenings, I do a webcast. Um, we talk all things portraiture. Perfect. And that's a uh, that's a perfect lead on to, um, well, it's not really a question, um, but if you want to, um, well, where can people follow you um, online? So if you just want to give yourself a plug. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Always happy to give myself a plug. So the easiest thing is if you type into Google or your search engine of, of choice, Ivan Wees London, I V A N w-e-i-s-s london and that will give you my website my instagram my linkedin facebook twitter um not yet on tiktok but it's probably coming oh uh, <laughs> okay just uh, space uh, on that one then youtube I've, I've got a few few new videos going up on youtube soon um yeah and you can connect with me through any of those means i i mean i think the 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 best thing the thing that i encourage people to do is um yeah follow me on either linkedin or instagram and you don't have to interact you just get um a, an interesting picture in your feed three times a week um that you can put a like on or a comment if you're so inclined or just simply enjoy it perfect thank you now the last question we've come to the last question is flown by today but what one piece of advice would you give a person starting in photography tomorrow? Um, well, don't wait till tomorrow. Oh, that is excellent. But but carry on, because that's too short. <laughs> <laughs> the one time I managed to give you the pithy short punch. <laughs> now you want me to be drawn out. Okay. No, I mean, that, that, that comes from experience. I think... Um, procrastination is not not really advantageous um that it's good to have a think about things it's good to spend time working out what you want to do and sort of running through the possibilities in your mind and rehearsing what would happen if i did this what would happen if i did that but essentially if you've got to a point where you kind of think yeah i want to give that a go there isn't a next step right so when you get to the point 
whenever somebody asks me, you know, do you think I'm ready to quit my job and and start my business? Like, yeah, as soon as that question has occurred to you, you're ready. That that's the the time. There isn't an intermediary, you know, step between thinking that you might want to do it full time and just doing it. So if that's where you are, you think you want to be a photographer, start calling yourself a photographer and, and go and take some pictures. And that is a great note to end it on. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you've hated it, keep quiet. But if you've loved it, you can support the show by sharing it with anyone who may love it too. Have a nice one and I'll see you next time for another episode of Squaring the Circle. Thank you.